you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Ellen. Good morning, Stephen. Morning. Good. You got the memo. Wear black shirt today. In fact, here, this is the uh, new shirt. Keep calm and carry on my wayward son. Nice. And this concert, so... Colleen saw that. It's not uh, rock band fancy. There's something on the back, too. Let's see. What does it say on the back? Let's see. Peace. Oh, there'll be peace when you are done. Oh, nice. So that, that could be for Kansas or Supernatural. Because that's true. They did. They sure did embrace Kansas. They had all kinds of good Kansas during that show. So Yeah. Anyway. That, that Carry On My Wayward Son was like their theme song. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is about persevering in the face of terrible tribulation. And that's very much. Yes. What natural was about. So, Mary, after Christmas, how was your Christmas? So, <laughs> it's lots of great swag. Colleen and I were generous with each other, as was the family. Biggest uh, tough news is we think that someone at Sam- Colleen's family had the Rona feeling really rocky this morning. Ooh. I am not, which is amazing because Colleen has the immune system of all. She really usually fights everything off. I usually get flu or sniffles like once a year. I really am pretty also impervious to harm and yet even though we're both vaccined and boosters she might have breakthrough so without going into a ton of detail we of course went looking for a positive you know a test to make sure that she has it and there's nothing available until the fourth yeah the whole, everything is very all the appointments are taken up probably because everybody wants to if they can get together with friends for new year's eve and whatever else it might be and the holidays themselves are very disruptive for getting the test in the first place, getting the lab results processed, et cetera, et cetera. We went, instead of there being at one central site, Google tries to do it, but it still is that you have to go to each individual site and put in what day and what times might be available and whether you want the rapid or the full PCR test. And so I've spent an hour this morning looking for, is there anywhere that we can get, and to us, reasonable driving distances, like 50 miles. You know what I mean? It really doesn't matter how far we have to go. But after checking CVSs and Rite Aids and Walgreens and Giant Eagles, and, and I, I, those are the four, and then after that, it tails off into like individual pharmacies, we could not get an appointment for her before the four. So now we're doing all the searching for how do you handle it if you think you have it, but what's the home care? She's vaccinated, so it is her, her system's warring it out. But if you, when your system's fighting the battle, your lymph nodes swell, you get fever and headache and, and cough and all that kind of stuff. So... We're monitoring her to make sure that she doesn't need to go in. And of course, it's terrible, scary stuff there because where would she go in? The beds are taken. We've got announcements from Cleveland Clinic, UHS Metro, that they are no elective surgery. They're already overstocked. So we're doing what you do for flu. Take some aspirin, drink plenty of liquids, monitor. She's coughing persistently, but she's not blocked, so far as we can tell. And it might be that I come down with it next. You know what I mean? I was at the same, of course, party that she was, met all the same people, hugged the same. Everybody there was at least vaccinated, though some were finding out we're not boosted and maybe 
God damn it, that's exactly what, when Omicron came out, it said you really need to get the booster because that's right. what's going to help you, especially if you were six months old. So without casting aspersions, not everybody in the family, they all work in different fields, they all work in different places, and they have different senses of whether they're safe enough or not. And so I'm feeling pretty pissy about yeah. going into the situation that we skipped last year because it was too dangerous. And we either we didn't check enough or we didn't ask the exact questions we needed to, or other people just weren't as safe as we are. They really aren't in our bubble. Right. Oh, God damn it. Well, you know, so. <laughs> I wish Colleen luck, wish you luck, obviously. Yeah, we had the same thing. I was supposed to get together with friends and play cards and we canceled it. it just people were too nervous. Exactly. Uh, and it sucks. We're supposed to visit friends like later this week because we didn't want to do it during the week of Christmas. So, so well, we just come out and visit. And now I'm going to have to call them and say, we really want to come see your Christmas lights, but not but, at the expense of we, we being typhoid Colleen and Alan. You know what I mean? I, I just can't. It doesn't have the, the well, lyrical typhoid Mary from history. If, it, if it's any, it's, it is frustrating because there's so much disillusionment and people just denying. Gina was on phones yesterday at the office she's at. And there were two people on phones and they counted. They took 141 phone calls yesterday and 127 of them were people asking either, where can I get a test? I think I got Corona or I do have Corona. What do I do? Or I got Corona. Can I get the vaccination? Oh my God. 127 phone calls of people asking that a year and a half, year and three quarters into this thing. Exactly. I, I can't get angry enough. The fact that this was handleable at the outset, and we blew it by not having the rapid response team, and we blew it by treating it as if it's serious. And now I hear that asshole Trump chiming in with, hey, I'm responsible for the rapid. Yeah. No, you did everything to impede it. But we, this is the way you've been all your career is claiming credit where it's not due and avoiding all the blame that is due. He, he, he so, admitted he got the booster and got booed at a rally and, and then see, said, the hold on, you should be. It. You should be proud of all the lives we saved and all the hard work we did. I'm what? Exactly. That, that weird contrast to he finally did a responsible thing and said, I got it and you should too. And his, his crowd, they're not necessarily Trump crazy. They're just crazy. And they were looking for an avatar to lead them. Some asshole that would be their head asshole. And so now the fact that they actually booed him because, oh, boss, you're turning on us. The thing that you said not to do for the last year and a half, now you're saying you've gone over to the other side. It's like the Pope going a, a different religion or something like but, that. But you even know, worse... religious fervor that's involved here. Yes, Sorry. absolutely. And even worse is that he doesn't admit he went to the other side. He changed the whole story retroactively. We've always right. done I've that. been the good guy all along. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the fact that every decent, rational person in the world can see what an incredible liar is and yet he's still filling halls with rallies and still fleecing his sheep money I, from what i understand he's bringing in a million dollars a day it, it is like any religion i can i promise you nothing i uh, uh deny all the bad things have happened and claim all the good and yeah. don't worry you're still on your own but if you give me money so i'll be the one that heads off the forthcoming apocalypse because i have a direct line to god i have a direct it's disgusting the state of the world and the the fact that it's <laughs> penetrated our shields breaks my heart you yeah. know what i mean that now we really have to deal with all the questions that are going to come with well were you foolish were you unsafe You're like everywhere that they ask yes we are vaccinated and yes we did indeed get the booster and yet it broke through and yet now we've got that terrible tarred with the same brush type thing of 
we, we just couldn't be careful enough. It's so everywhere. And if the people are still not being careful. And so, I don't know, we, we had no New Year's plans. We really have. And, and the only things I've done is, like when I went to a movie at a matinee where there were only 10 other people in the place and kept my mask on, though I must admit I snuck some popcorn in and we were all decently spaced and all that kind of stuff. But everybody just, not everybody, enough people act as if you don't need to do that anymore. Just go to the movies. From what I understand, the Spider-Man movie broke the billion-dollar mark. Oh, box office records. Yeah. You don't get that without sitting elbow to elbow with people in theater. You don't get that without filling every show of. Yeah. So the fact that we're still avoiding all those crowd scenes and all those, you know, wear the mask, don't social distance, etc., and yet we wavered <laughs> and we got caught. You yeah, know what I mean? It, and for all the right reasons, family is so important. Elliot's family is wonderful. The food was good. The company was good, et cetera. And yet, brought it in. I so, hope everything goes uh, well as she gets over it. And I hope you don't get it. I don't want to get it. We don't want to get it around here. But exactly. you know, Frankie and Colin both work retail. They wear masks, or, or so they say they do. I trust they do. But not everybody who comes in does. Uh, right. Colin has almost gotten into arguments and fights with people because they walk in and, oh, that's stupid. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. He's, that's our policy. Put a mask on. And I was at the store. There was a guy that saw the sign and walked in without one. And Colin said, oh, you need a mask. He goes, oh, hold on. He walked out to his truck, pulled his mask out of his pocket, threw it in the truck, walked in and said, oh, I don't have one. Here, take one of these. So he would walk around the store and pull on it till it broke. Said, oh, this one broke. I must not be putting it on. I don't know how. Total asshole. Yeah. Thank God he's the freedom fighter. I can see him exercising his rights as an American. To be the most irresponsible yes. jerk you but, possibly can and, and if it's any indication, he was wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. So <laughs> <laughs> must be a link there. Exactly. I, I will make a link there. You can find it without trying too hard, I would say. So, okay. Without all the Corona stuff, what cool right. swag did you get? Boy, a lot. For instance, and I, I got some wonderful new music between my, my secret Santa. Colleen's family always does it that because there's so many of them, instead of everybody getting everybody gifts, and of course the craziness of doubles or whatever else it might be, people get each other, a, each other has a secret Santa for one other person, and then you can submit wish lists, and people supply things off that list, or random things if you don't mind it, and stuff like that. So, my brother-in-law John, Colleen's brother, had me this year, and he got me a wonderful Zappa album. No, Colleen got me that. So, got me the latest Deep Purple, and oh, they're cool. still vital. They're still making good music, and Steve Morse, who, he's their, he's their current guitar and has been for like 10 albums but steve morse is like he's an amazing guitar yes. he's the guy that guitar magazine like took him out of competition for guitarist of the year because he won five years in a row and they just said we need you to retire because nobody can <laughs> compare with right. how perfect and fluid and creative and everything else he is and so it, it sounds great I, he got me the latest rick wakeman album he borders from yes and multiple other things called the red planet and it's all instrumental but it's wonderful moody ethereal like here's his impressions of various different features of mars because we're going there soon and so excellent what else did i get sorry so, without trying to remember who's who's from colleen i got frank zappa his last live show in the united states before he wow. the band broke up he retired and he was going to go to europe and i think that didn't happen and then soon after he died of lung cancer so uh, the band is unbelievable he often refers to it in other writings as like the best band you never heard it was a great, not only band, but ensemble. He had horns, he had backup singers, that kind of stuff. And they do a perfect selection. Tampa has such an incredible catalog that any live concert is like 
the choice of 150 songs that they all know how to play. So this is that perfect pithy 30, let's say, and they do covers because it was because it was a special celebratory show. They do a cover of uh, "Stairway to Heaven." They do a cover of "Whippin' Post." They do a cover of "America the Beautiful," and and it's just like how cool. Kind of like Weird Al Yankovic band. They can play anything and right. sound really good doing it. And so the fact that he was like personable and snarky throughout, and the music is so great. So that was wonderful. Let me just glance. What else do I have here in the magic? <laughs> oh, also the Kansas. I should be holding these up. This is the live version of the Point of No Return tour, nice. which has the first time they've recorded Lonely Wind live since two for the show. And so it's a beautiful way to end the show. It's a very soulful song. That, that um, looks like a Yes cover. Was it done by that artist? Um, I don't think so. They've had an artist for the last couple of Kansas albums, the Prelude Implicit and others, but it does have that kind of yeah. real swirly, multiple images joining together and stuff like that. But this was meant to uh, evoke the sea dragons off the cover of Point of No Return from long ago. Oh. You know, about yeah, exploring cool. john and it's funny so here's that zappa last live concert ever here's the deep purple and then it's funny this is like eclectic music tutorial i got his gifties i besides what i got his gifties i also had i ordered a bunch of stuff because as i was going through my wish list i was like wow i outlasted it instead of it coming out at 15 bucks now it finally came down to like less than seven bucks which is somehow my magic price point and not only seven bucks but seven including postage so wow. It was worth getting, uh, and I don't mean to be glaring here, Adrian Ballou, Young Lions, oh, a nice. great one from his catalog, and the Winery Dogs, who Mike Portnoy, and uh, like a couple, it's, there's a whole bunch of pseudo super groups that seem to come out of like Dream Theater and, and um, Flying Colors is another well, one. Those here, here's, a, here's the Dream Theater. I, I, boy, I don't mean no, I don't know why I'm getting such <laughs> yeah. bad players here. Yeah, really. It's, I'm, I have to learn. There, that's the angle. The uh, Metropolis, well, you know, part two. If um, we had really good editing, we could just put the cover up over top of the court, you know. <laughs> exactly. We'll fix it up. Here's Flying Colors, another one of those super groups. And then, boy, this was much tastier than I expected. I've thought of getting, there's three of Flying Colors now. And because the players are so great, I've wanted to get them, but they have been like that weird persistent, like 15 bucks, and then they don't come down. But this one finally did. And it's incredibly tasty rock, jazz, speed metal, just amazing playing. A lot of notes, many notes in the density of this guy. I got a Government Mule, who are a couple of guys from the Allman Brothers that yeah. like names, and I couldn't remember all the names, but great jam band rock. You know what I mean? And, and jam bands aren't all the same. You can have your your fish or your mo or your uh, umphreys mcgee government mule just has that ability to have a great groove kind of southern fried style and i don't know that i can tell you individual songs of theirs that i really love but every time that i put the cd on it's like you just start moving in your chair because they really know how little feet such a great band for that so that they just they know how to do the groove and then find also martin barr who is jethro tull's guitarist and this is him and his band doing 50 years of Jethro Tull. So all kinds of, wow. it's funny when you hear a Tull song, you very much expect Ian Anderson's voice because it's one of the great voices in rock and roll and the flute playing and so forth. And he has a lot of that, but the vocals aren't quite right. But his guitar on Locomotive Breath, Aqualung, My God, Him 43, it's just, and I know I just named a whole bunch of stuff off Aqualung. There's a whole bunch of more recent stuff. A song I've always loved called Under Rap that just really affects me without being able to, to tell you why but so wow what treasure i got what treasure I, I, that's <laughs> so a lot like, of music listed exactly and of course i do the whole thing with i digitize everything and then i i know i'm 
Amazon has so wrong. I still have Apple Music instead of wrong. I have the app from Apple instead of subscribing to Apple Music where you get all the music that you want for a subscription price per month. Instead, I still digitize mine and I have a whole big library. And what they have totally abandoned trying to get the right cover to match the um, album because they used to tap into their own CDDB, which I, either they acquired or they at least had rights to. Right. Or they go to Amazon. So half of the ones that I just put on were just, well, that's a tall album cover. It's not even Martin Barr. That's a, it, it was, it's terrible. And so I am, I really don't like that. And so I then go seek out and I find it on Amazon, take a, a snapshot of that cover, save it, put, luckily you can paste it in place and replace it. But then I've actually had this happen in the past where I did all that work and then Apple doesn't upgrade and it seems to revert to whatever its internal um, pointer system is. And so it's really irritating to not see for this cover that this is what the album looks like online when I know that I've seen that it actually does have a reasonable CD cover. There's also, I don't know if you go back to uh, as far as I do with the CDDB. It was a brilliant idea that somebody had when people first started to digitize right. music that every album had a fingerprint. The track lengths of each of the cuts was most often unique. And so you really could, from just digitizing any album, you would go fetch from this database and say, Here's all kinds of meta information, the name, the composer, the year it came out, the, the publisher and all that kind of stuff. And of course, the names of the track. When you do anything with a turntable, we have a USB connection and you play the album and capture it. You still have to supply all that information. Yeah. One of the things I did early on was I'm pretty consistent and exacting in I really want what's on the CD to match what's in the CDDB. People were putting things in where they don't Crap. have a type, were misspelling all the things. They didn't have a standard for capitalization. They it was it's it has been terrible for a long time. They cleaned up a lot of it, and that seems to be another thing that's gone to hell since Apple Music involvement and so forth, or maybe CDDB because it's now owned by someone. Wikipedia generous, where all the fans keep updating it. You actually have to submit it for update because there were people that were changing it wrongly. You know, and there was a kind of a battle back and forth for certain things that they wanted to be a certain way. So now I have to continually deal with: Am I going to go through the hassle of fixing it? sending it for an update. I hope it gets accepted and then see if it transforms my back on home base. Sometimes when you update things, it stops thinking you have that cut. It doesn't find it in whatever black magic it's now using to find the album by the tracks and the track names that you get and stuff like that. Things go away because it's not uh, available as a single or something like that. So it, it very much disincents you from making it better than the dog's dinner right. that it currently is. And yet, I really like to have, I just, I can't stand to see something misspelled. That's a weird thing. I'm not really weird in terms of I'm the guy that comes at you online because people make a typo. But about this, something that's available to millions of people and it's wrong, it just sucks. <laughs> it seems it picks up the wrong one more often than the right one, even if there's both choices. And worse, I had have had an Apple iPod, one of the Nano. Loved yes. Absolutely love those. I wish they kept making those, but it, it was so great to have 10,000 songs in a pack of cigarettes and yeah. gum, you know what I mean? Gum, so. Yeah, without all the extra garbage, it's just the little wheel. You see the song, you choose, and it always worked beautifully. It kept things organized by album or artist, I could and playlist, but it broke, died, got worn out. And so I was looking for something else, and they have lots of new MP3 players with a lot of capacity, et cetera. 
like, great, this one looks good. I checked all the features. This one looks really good. And then I imported some music. I don't know what this stupid player is doing. I checked. My tags are fine by album, by artist, by each track. And it goes into this thing. And then it like says there's seven albums that are named the same. And this one has track three and seven. This one has track two. This one has track five and six. And I'm like, what the heck? And you can't. And I went literally an hour after owning it, I tossed it. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to be able to live. Like, I if I know we've had discussions like this before about the standards for naming things when you have an address database that you want your Christmas cards to get through. The government kind of standardized out. Here's the abbreviations for various different street names and how you present a zip code and stuff like that. And yet some places are really persistent. I still see things with a three uh, letter date abbreviation when it's like they standardized on too long ago, even for the Canadian provinces. And it might be that some of them don't make any sense because they had to get all the M states to have unique. And so Maine is indeed M-E or whatever because M-N was taken by Minnesota. You know what I mean? I understand the why of it. But having said that, all that stuff where I want to be, I'm really much more an albums listener than a singles listener. And maybe the world has changed. And that's why they don't give this. But I want to be able to at least force it to be, if I've got a meatloaf album and it's got 10 cuts, but three of them have a special guest on them, that somehow it makes that into a different album, a different collection of music. And I have to rename it or give it a different sort name or something to make it so that it's only meatloaf. And then I have to put like the featuring thing into the comment field. And, and wow, it, it shouldn't lose sight of the fact that their album should have integrity and that the way it comes off the CD is exactly in this order. And yet you sort it because this one features, uh, it doesn't matter. And especially there's, I can't imagine what it's like for rap where everything features somebody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> Country it's, now too. <laughs> shows up everywhere yeah and then it breaks the sequence of what was on the album before so there's just what for a, maybe a golden 20 years was a really satisfying thing of i have lots of music i can digitize it i can put it on my my ipod what a wonderful thing to carry my entire wall of cds in my hand right and it has over the next 20 years it's deteriorated it's just the music isn't right the, the colors aren't right I get Martin Barr has a two CD set. The first one is named like a Martin Barr 50 Years of Jethro Tull. The second one is CD2. Disc. You have to make it disc one and disc two so that it'll yes. sort correctly. And you have to like, the, the whatever it does to treat, which one did I just see? Uh, the Adrian Ballou album is not Adrian Ballou. It's various artists because he has enough other. And no, it's clearly an Adrian Ballou album. So the meta information shouldn't say various artists. Tipping point at where it says, well, now you have enough. And in his case, I don't think it was. He had a whole bunch of featured and guest stars, if you will. It's just because there was any other one than his name associated with it, it made it a various artist, as if it's a tribute album. Right. When you just want to queue up something and listen to an album you've always loved, and now there's damage, impediments in the way of that, I have to create my own playlist to duplicate Song for America by Kansas. It's the weirdest situation. Yeah, All agreed. That which is not a problem when you have a physical platter or a cassette. It doesn't have these sorting issues. It doesn't have the... That's right. When physical... I put it in the machine, it right. plays exactly what I... When I had my Commodore and Amiga, I never worried about a virus because every single time I turned it off, put a different disc in and turned it on, there was no sharing of the operating system from disc. That's right. I still have, like, a, at one point, I got a 100 CD holder 
because I listened to enough stuff that is like, okay, instead of getting up to change the CD again and again, I'm going to put in my favorite hundred or something like that. And then when I'm done with those, I'll put in another hundred and it had a little, your uh, remote control, you could type in after a while you got to know, oh, 36 is that Thomas Dolby album that I always listen to, Astronauts and Heretics. And so you could go to not having to just page through, click right. through and see the little name appear. I really miss that. You know what I mean? It was a lot of hassle to load and unload. And it was whatever the speakers I had to attach, I had to do all that. And it was just not, it's so much more convenient to be able to sit at your desk and bring up these things and play them. But I also miss, I don't know that I want to have the sound come from my monitor or from my speakers at the desk. I liked them being how I had them in like the speakers up in the corners of the room and the turntable or the player enough so that there's no rumble, there's no bleed through from any of the sound. And just the ambient sound of good speakers filling a room with sound instead of jetting it directly at you, it's a different, cooler listening experience. It's like what I used to do in the dorm. You know what I mean? That right. I have, so there's some things that, and people also have comments, as you know, about CDs are a little tinny compared to the warmth of vinyl because they really sample and they really do clip highs and lows and they lose some of the dynamics. And I am not discriminating enough here have noticed that i think that's gotten better from 30 years ago i think it has they started to do cd extended and and that kind of stuff where they the sampling rates went up like nowadays when i rip my cds i rip them apple lost in other words it's still a compressed format so you save a whole bunch of space but it isn't the the wholesale slaughter that mp3 is where it really is noticeable on a good pair of speakers that it's missing something it's missing there's things that are in the gap that are gone. And so I guess I've, I've, I've said the convenience is worth it. And yet there are certain things when you listen to that, the perfect Mannheim steamroller album that they used to play in stereo store to show you the difference between Bose and Presage and, <laughs> and different great speaker brands. And this one really has those sparkling highs and this one has the bass thump, whatever else it might be. Nowadays, no, it's all in that compressed zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you know, clip. And, and when they started to put I'm not sure about the details of this. I know that there was lots of complaints when they actually started to put out albums so they'd get appropriate airplay on radio. They really only have a certain reasonable band. They want it to immediately be punchy and loud so that it attracts your attention and you won't. There was a rush album that came out that was way compressed so that the envelope that it was in was very unrushed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It didn't have a serial mode. It didn't have Getty's lead screech. It didn't have all the good stuff that they're great at and that other bands aren't. And so why rush? Why did they make that concession? I got a feeling that who's their longtime producer, Harry somebody, that he like snuck the tapes over and said, hey, make this radio friendly, and that the band never would have agreed to it if they would have what they did. That was uh, Permanent Waves, I think, wasn't it? I guess it is. I, I guess maybe, if you can name exactly one where boy, this just sounds so... They've like, talked about that. And yeah. it was also when they first started getting into keyboards, the Moog, and changing away from the old yeah. fantasy they did into the more modern yeah and you know, even like the torus pedals that getty used they used to be not only the bass but that satisfying rumble yeah that those yeah. those undertone and that was also like whoa no i'm not getting any of that real thump. what's wrong now i want to <laughs> so, listen to rush <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true <laughs> but but i larry it's funny we have some really interesting people right in our local group vinnie at one point did a great presentation about that about music production and what they did the the explanations for why they did it and the concessions that they made and stuff like that and in fact larry wise just tomorrow night is going to do a a, a presentation on 
synthesis so that we, he like I, heard switched on Bach early and was like, wow, this Carlos guy can do an entire orchestra of stuff on his own. In was the that when he was a guy or a girl? It was Walter Carlos <laughs> instead of Wendy, exactly. Right. And, and this is a, a brief aside. I, I mentioned Walter slash Wendy Carlos because the album still says we're on it, but he is now Wendy. I, right. I have no problems with that. But someone told me, oh, you shouldn't use the dead name. And that's a kind of a br- brusque term. I wasn't meaning to insult. Oh, her. yeah, and, that's. But it just is the album has Walter on it. It's a fact right. that you can't. I All of that synthesis stuff is what Larry's going to talk about, like when Moogs that's first cool. came out. Moogs, and and you know, the first Roland, the first. It'll be. Yes, I, I was so much. I, you know, I did. I had. Uh, I tried doing music. I've never been a great player, but. If you're one in the morning at the lab where nobody else wants the studio time and you have access to stuff, I did experiment with all different kinds of synthesizers and wavetables and the first keyboards where it's not just you really had attacks sustained in Yeah. Exactly that. And I just, you, you know, things can sound good if you get a chance to play them a hundred times over <laughs> and fix your mistakes. Right. And so I actually have an album that uh, from Plato, I think I've mentioned before, the Plato music system actually had excellent polyphonic synthesis that a guy had worked on there that was ahead of the rest of the world and so there's a couple albums of plato music that he had worked on that they sound a little bit like old synthesis music that you see in a movie when they were trying to say oh the computers have taken over and this is what they think music sounds like but they're actually they're still human humanity there's still composition there's still melody and warmth and so forth and and there's one album a song called bigfoot that I remember my friend Tom Cortese, who was made of music, but he invited me up to the fifth floor where the elevators only went to four, and he actually had to take an additional staircase to get to the fifth floor of the Plato building. And that's where he and a bunch of people had their airy, their their lab that they could work in. And he played Bigfoot on these big old planar speakers. And it just was like, this is as good as anything I've ever heard from, yes, Genesis, other big guys, but it's Phil <laughs> doing it, just hoodling around. But he understood how to make something really dynamic and interesting and wow <laughs> that, i mean those are nowadays you get a keyboard and they use sd cards and you can buy banks of sound buy sixty thousand sounds and all that depth but there's something about which is what carlos did with playing with the sounds and then playing uh, classical music and it was like mind-blowing because of how cool it was but there's something about messing with the attack the decay the sustain the exactly. and, and all of that and you learn so much you don't get that when you buy the sound pre-made i i, I used to play so I, I, I don't remember all the time we've been doing this for a long time now and i don't I'll remember what stories <laughs> i had a guy named phil that i worked with at the office of resource analysis for my assistant and he was a great musician but had had to become a whole human being he had a wife and children and had to be responsible it's a great musician that i kept thinking when i get medici money I want to like let him return to because he and I used to talk about music, what I was doing at the synth lab, and he just totally drank it in. And I like, well, I, I wish I could invite you, but it's I get lab time one or two in the morning when nobody else wants to be there. And um, I used to we talked about making sounds, capturing them in the wavetable so that you could have the sound of a crackling fireplace and you gate it so that when you play it on the keyboards and it sounds like crackles breaking through. I went, this is, people talk about this kind of stuff like big artists, but I actually did some of this. You go to the stadium and you hit one end of a metal bench and the sound goes, yeah. and, and like you, it's like the Doppler effect or whatever is the real weird, interesting, the wave formation of a constrained metal thing on concrete. So it should sound terrible. And yet I just kept experimenting. What does it sound like if I brush a fence? 
What does it sound like when the leaves are rustling in high wind and have all kinds of just captured sounds like, boy, I'm turning into Pink Floyd, you know what I mean? But I was fascinated by what does that look like? When you look at an oscilloscope where you try to break it down in a mixer, there's there, nature has amazingly complex things going on with the whoosh of wind or whatever else yeah. it might be. And then if you take something out, it's now it sounds alien because the way nature does it, you're used to that whole play of it in your ears and you take out the low and it sounds, oh my God, there's an alien thing screeching. It was just a very interesting. I learned so much about what's what makes sound. <laughs> One of the things I remember doing in my electronic music class, and this was, we didn't use computers. Apple did have some of the stuff on it that we could use, but this was all just our boards and wires and microphones, and it was old school. But one of the things we did was play a sound and cut off the attack. So it just started at the sustain, and you could not tell the difference between a piccolo or a violin or a trumpet uh, if you cut off the attack. That's a great way to put it. You know what I mean? That if anything, people that have the ear that can do arrangements that can tell you the reason I need this sound is because it's, it's not only the instrument, it's, it has the, the lead in and the, the way, yeah. you know, like the way that ear picks up, it not only hears it, it starts to anticipate what that instrument is capable of. And there's all kinds of, you know, sound doesn't exist, haha, in a vacuum. It's that our listening to it is what makes our understanding of all those instruments and stuff like that. So not yeah. only in a synthesized keyboard, I really can't play woodwinds, brass. I, I don't have anywhere near like the lip correctness to get a, a, anything but a bat you know what i mean <laughs> but, but when you hear someone do it well you can wow that's what an interesting thing that he's shaping the notes as they come out i don't even know how to explain some of the things it's but the different if you will the different parts of the orchestra brings have a family of noise that they make compared to percussion compared to you know uh, other winds and brass and stuff like that and I'm so much not an expert, but I started to have much more of an appreciation for there's a reason that the French horn is shaped just as it is, that the people who knew what they were doing, they were first creating these things. There's a difference between a trumpet and a coronet and a flugelhorn and a trombone and all the kind of stuff. And just understand that, like, how do you make a, a famous violin, like a Stradivarius or an Amati or something like that? They really had to know how sound works inside a constrained space. Here's your sound holes. Here's the resonance of the wood. They actually had to understand material science. You know what I mean? I only work with uh, Alsatian fur because that's the one that makes this perfect resonance. Oh, oh. Well, here's a couple of things I got. The coolest Gina got me. It's not here yet. It was one of those that got held back. It's a custom leather wallet that's embroidered to look and styled like R2-D2 and BB-8. So it's going to look that's like that. Cool. And it's got my author name on it. So that's very custom, cool thing. Absolutely. Uh, The the coolest game, we got several. We got Wizard, which we've never had before, believe it or not. Um, We got the Marvel Thanos version of Splendor, which was really cool. I don't know anything about that. Okay. Yeah, it's basically Splendor, but but they are the the, uh, gems that you're trying to collect. And Mm -hmm. it's got a few changes to the rules. It was a lot of fun. We got an escape room game for the family to play at home. And the coolest one we got was called Mystic Market. It's a simple game where you're trying to craft potions and you get money. And it's got a little rack with actual little potion bottles. 
and the value in the market of the potions when something is crafted they change so they they slide around on the rack so if i i went several times to turn in something i'm like oh i'm going to get 15 dollars for this and then gina laid something down and it shifted everything and oh now i'm getting five dollars right it guts the price oh yeah. man that's so okay. we have, we've had a good time with that one and it's pretty simple it's oh my gosh there's so many cards but once you get playing it's one of those where on your turn you could buy you could sell or you can swap or and then you can craft potions at any time and that's it once you get going it's okay it makes sense and you just play so uh, good game i didn't go big on games this year because it's only the two of us and even with the family so what we did do was we got a cribbage board Honestly, nice. we haven't had a cribbage board in house, or if I have one, it's like in the boxes in the storage locker, <laughs> and we haven't played in forever. Some friends are really fans of and always want to play it, and so man, I'm rusty. I can't tell you about the mugging and whatever. Backgammon. I haven't played backgammon in 35 years, literally. <laughs> Honestly, like that. And then we also got another little like a word card game, another variation on you can make anagrams, but the cards cost different amounts, and so that it's things that we can always play twiddler and scrabble the two of us and have a nice time still doing it. oh sorry we play tested my elf card game like a whole bunch of times in a row and we made slight adjustments of the cards and rules and the last couple times we played it it flowed well and seemed to play well so had the right balance had the yeah. right you know, luck versus skill very yeah. good so okay. doing a big test now there's a, a person that gina works with they have two small kids so i wrote out the rules we got a set of cards we're sending it over to them saying, here's the game, play it, give us feedback. Nothing exactly. else. And so. that's great. You know, not only the game, game gamers, but naive first looking at it. Oh, I'm sorry. And one of the cool things I was thinking, I'm like, one of the, the focus is families. The demographic for the game is family kid, yeah. with kids. Mostly it's not going to appeal to a Mensa gathering for the most part. And I'm like, so I need that something that kids can play and be. It. So we thought of these special cards that you could leave out play without but put in if you have little kids that, okay. that when the card gets played it's like all the parents lose a present and all the kids deliver so it's a kids biased cards yes. but i remember when my kids were little when they would play something that just made them like all powerful that for that turn and they'd laugh and giggle and love it parent <laughs> has not played a game where they're like yeah i could win the game right now but oh i don't have that card so this is built into the game for the kids' right. benefit. So I, I'm working yeah, on some of those as a special add-on pack type thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm sorry, we go ahead. Be, we broke out uh, Cards Against Humanity. We hadn't played that in a while, and they, they keep adding sets of things. And, of course, they're hilarious, and they're vulgar, and they get it's Somehow it always seems that the shyest person at the table is the one that keeps having to play all the dick cards and yeah. stuff like that. But, we had a lot of fun with it, but then like sometimes people play it hours and hours. No, we needed a taste of this. And now let's play Pinochle. Let's go to back yes. to traditional. Okay. We've been playing this for an hour and a half. Let's move on. And, yeah. and Cards Against Humanity is how Jason found out there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> so we also, we've discovered this. We get together with Colleen's sisters and have game nights once in a while. And we, besides, if you will, formal games like card games or workable or whatever else it might be there's all kinds of little box card games nowadays that 10 bucks 15 bucks at target yeah. or various different game places barnes and noble um and and some of them have proven to be like so much fun that we play them instead of being one time is enough there's one called something like um sink or swim s y n c and it's where 
you have, here's a, a topic, and then you have four different questions that you ask about it. And you and your partner have to say, after you're like, okay, it's, it's food, and name something that has butter in it. Three, two, one. And then you both have to say something that has butter in it. And you're trying to say the same thing. And it's amazing how many times that happens and how it doesn't happen based on who wouldn't say, if it's opposites time and someone says black, you say white. Right. Oh, some people say red because it's checkered or something. And you know what I mean? And so sometimes it's hilarious. Sometimes people are really pissed if you, you're like, no, there's only one right answer. No, actually there is. Oh. There are multiple answers. There's too many right answers. And so you can't say name a cat. And am I going for lion tiger? Am I going for tabby Persian? You know what, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's a, you've probably played apples to apples, which is the like friendly version of Cars Against Humanity. Exactly. I've played that game for hours. And it was an eye opener to sit down with a group of people and play it. And people get mad and tell you that is not an appropriate answer for that. What do you mean it's not? It's funny. Well, no, that does not describe that word appropriate. (laughs) You need to get here. We'll pull out the dictionary so you can use it. Okay, I'm not playing. I play the game to be funny. I've said this before. I can learn more about a person in an hour of game playing than in five hours of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Find out, you know, who's the rules Nazi, who's the dictionary user, who's the person that they just don't, they're doing it because they want to be with friends and they're doing something to do with your hands while you chat. You know what I mean? Right, right. uh, Yep, yep. Anyway, some of those games are fun. I also, I got lots of books. Colleen, nice. uh, here, this is, uh, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on tape. I know I say that and anachronize myself. <laughs> I've always liked the Gore series. They're a series of fantasy novels about a counter-Earth, an Earth on the far side of the sun, so that it, you know, kind of rotates as we do and we never right. see it. And it's, there's um, priest kings that have restricted technology, so it's much more swords and uh, combat than it is ray guns and so forth. The biggest thing about this series is that guy, John Norman, the author, has a thing about males are masters, females are slaves. And it's not just a little thing. It's the mainstay of these books. And so they are much reviled by anyone that knows that females are not slaves, that it's that I, the books are good enough in terms of the, the daring do, the plots for, like, sometimes there's nations at war. Here's all the things that are happening. Someone's going to get assassinated. There's a, there's another an invading race called the Kur that are big bear-like creatures and how those all kinds of elements that are worth reading. And I just skip over the descriptions of what diaphanous silk she was wearing and how the master you know gets away. And yet, boy, now that I've mentioned it, every lady friend of mine is gonna be, oh Al, you're such a pig, because they really are. If you flip open to anywhere in the book, the odds are you're gonna be within a couple pages of right. another scene of bondage of slavery. It, and it, I just isn't the main character oh i'm sorry in the main character from earth he gets transported there and he like he comes back he's only there for a book or something so is that okay. the first books are like that carl cabot is the guy's yeah name. yeah and indeed he's a relatively conventional guy on the planet but there he finds out that you're going to have to become harder become harsher be yeah. more of a warrior if you're going to survive on this planet and and it integrating himself into the ways of the world, he learns that it's not only females that are slaves, there's males that are slaves. When a battle is lost, often the, the losers are made slaves and sold, and then they have to fight in the arena. So there's a gladiatorial aspect or all kinds of stuff. If that's a big thing in the book is can people own people? It's terrible. It's a terrible thought. And yet the whole culture is based on that. And so he has to in, integrate himself into the, he stays 
over the course of time because he becomes because he's had big losses, big failures in his life. The priest kings actually um, use him as a good agent because he he knows what it is to feel despair, to feel like you know, my God, I everything was stacked against me, and yet he's able to. He's left standing at the end. He's a guy that won't give in. For some people, that's their superpower. They don't get to the finish line first, but at the end of the race, they finish every race. I'm kind of more like that. You know what I mean? I, my my secret animal power is I'm an elk. I don't know that I have a great hunter or a great flyer, but you know what? When I have to get to my wintering grounds, I'm not the one that drops. I make it all the way to the end of everything. <laughs> right. So anyway. I um, remember reading uh, those Tarn Gore books, 13 or something. So a totally different perspective on us. Oh, they're describing what's what she wearing. <laughs> so that was right. different. And that's true too. When you're a young man bound for adventure, it's oh, this is um okay to read. Yeah. It's kind it of, was, I don't know if they have any more lurid sex scenes than a James Bond did or that no, other right. did. But it was it just that they compared Little, to the executioner where it's loving descriptions of guns. This was loving descriptions of swords. It's a weird series, I remember, because it wasn't quite fantasy. It wasn't quite sci-fi. It's yeah, a little bit like John Carter. underpinnings. Of, and it's not only about male versus female, and not even versus integrated. It was very much about what kind of government work. Yeah. What, how do you use your resources? It, it without was being ecologically conscious long before the, we were Earth Day. It wasn't as heavy-handed as do. It didn't go the 30 pages of government inner work stuff like that exactly so it's funny i i haven't been reading them all my life they stopped being published for a while because whoever was publishing them there was such outcry that they actually they were one of the first banned in the field of science fiction because there was such outcry he became a self-publisher and now they're available via amazon and like from a real publisher that puts nice covers on them and stuff like that and so you probably got me a whole bunch in the series that like it's up to 36 now and wow. i have lost track of that and i he got me like 29 to 36. He got me everyone that I was missing because I had them, you know, long ago on my wish list. And, stuff. and so it's okay. I don't know that I'm going to read them all in a rush. I'm going to read them like I do in between other things. I'm going to read my urban fantasy book and then I'm going to read my counter earth book and then I'm going to read my, my latest Robert B. Parker or whatever else it might be. So but that was, it's like a foot of book. They're nice <laughs> and thick. There's a lot to them. So when, when I got this big box and I'm like, Oh, is it, uh, I don't know, a new computer? No, it was the stack of these books. And the fact that Colleen got them for me, another, I, I, it's funny. I hope this isn't that he does protest too much type stuff. One of the reasons that I'm pretty sure that they're okay is I didn't turn into that. Right, I'm a right. a pretty decent guy. I didn't become a raving, you know, uh, um, male chauvinist pig. They're like, I can differentiate between fiction and fact. I can, they're, they're only a fantasy. And not even necessarily a great fantasy. I guess there's a whole world of bondage and discipline, statism and masochism. And I don't, I've never been in that world, but there are really are people that enjoy it. And when they find each other, it's really an interesting thing because with all the rest of the world looking askance, they're safe with each other because they found someone who's kinks math. And there's all sex tricky. Love is tricky. There's so <laughs> many. the animal kingdom. <laughs> Yeah, we're such complex creatures, and that vanilla is, it's not the only flavor. Right. <laughs> it's not even necessarily and, the best flavor for some people. I've always so, had <laughs> the problem with banning books, or uh, we think this is bad, so you're not allowed to read it. Hold on. And that, that whole, 
Oh my God. Exactly. I could make that choice. Maybe I won't like it, but it's that in the country we live in, that should be my choice. Even banning Hitler's book and stuff like that. I, I don't think you should do that because I'm not going to turn into Hitler and, and exactly genocide right. a whole culture of people, even yeah. though I think the virus has done that for us. But but there's reasons intellectually and to read it and understand that and and see that. And there's just people are banning, they, they banned the Harry Potter books because it was teaching kids how to cast magic spells. Seriously, yeah. did you look really? at the names yeah. of those so magic spells? They tried them and they didn't work. Maybe the kids <laughs> caught on that this is only <laughs> And these are like the most ridiculous spell names. Luminoso, something turned light. Come on, if you can't figure out the roots of these words, learn more Latin than Greek. All my life, all of the last you know thousand years of literate humanity has been what's publishable, what's allowed to be published. All I'm, my sweeping statement is most of the time the people that are anxious to be the censors are exactly the ones you don't. Exactly, they just have such a prescribed version of what's right in the world, what's good, and that thing of. I don't like it, so I'm not going to read it. When it transforms into, I don't like it, so you're not allowed to read it? Think of the arrogance. Think of the, the, the fanaticism that goes into a choice like that. Yeah. And all what I have to say is, as I've learned more about mimetics, there really might be something that ideas are, viruses of the mind, they transfer quickly. They often are more potent than truth in terms of how much of a population they get through. So there really might be some things that we really should stop from being as virulent as out there as they can be and yet the ones that i see people going after it's not huck finn using the n-word it's not um luminoso in harry potter it's the most tiny ridiculous little things that people go after instead of this guy's proposing an entire world where there really are differences between the races and that there should be no quarter when we go to race war that's an incredibly dangerous thing compared to oh no Little Billy is discovering his sexuality when he's 13. But even, oh my God. The Huckleberry Finn comes up all the time. It's one of the first things that always pop into my mind. But for the time period, for the where Twain lived and right. all of that, it was, it wouldn't be published today. And they make them change it. But for that time, it shows what things were. And we can't forget that because then you say, things are so horrible now. Well, wait a second look at this. That's just one of the things that always comes back. And even, and I don't think Norman necessarily is doing this, but the thing with uh, women slaves and men domineering, that if that was a Star Trek episode, there'd be a point to it for our society. That's what right. science what's fiction the does. of this story, exactly? That yeah, you know, with it's enough like it that it's disturbing, but that it's not real. It's not real. Right. And if it is real, we want to stop that. We don't want realize it. slavers. We don't want girls being put into prostitution that can't get out of thailand or croatia or wherever the you know I mean? yes They're still going absolutely. on you absolutely. know what i mean so sorry if i just insulted two countries out we're, of yeah movie. we're not trying to do yeah, it I read, you know. yeah but but that's i've heard interviews because of star trek they said there were things we did for story that we couldn't have done if it was little house on the prairie or if it was some cop show set in the modern world we got away with it because it was a future world. It was that's so right. people are like, oh, that's different. But it's the exact same. Honestly, oftentimes they not only call it science fiction, they call it speculative fiction. Yeah. And isn't that not only some of its power, but it's some of its responsibility is to say, if you go down this weird path, Black Mirror, every episode is like that. Like, what if we really became too obsessed with social media and ranking? What if we 
could excise someone from your life so completely, et cetera, et cetera. They're really good at taking that and extrapolating it to that sometimes absurd, sometimes terrifying point of, well, now that we've seen how bad it can get, how about if we put some safeties in place? How about if we make it? What about 1984? How close to that are we? And, And where do we stop and have to draw the line? Who decides what is good morally or ethically and what isn't? Where do you draw that line? Because what if I can't play sports and I got bullied and teased, so it's a trigger for me? Every time sports is on TV, it it puts me in a panic. Why don't we ban sports on TV? Everybody would say, that's ridiculous. Okay, but why is it ridiculous to ban this other stuff then? That's to ban Dungeons and Dragons because little Billy exactly exactly. Well, it's how uh, mentioning Frank Zappa earlier. You know, not only was he amazing and brilliant and a great composer, etc., he was often attacked, and he was often the guy that was articulate enough to say, "Here's why your argument is so much BS." You know, I'm going to go in front of Congress to talk about record labeling is not what you think it is. It doesn't work. It's not going to work like you think it's going to be. And the things that you want to label, they aren't the ills in our society. And so Zappa and Carlin and any number of other artists and comedians and so forth, how often are they like the the, the jester that we need to have that's going to tell the truth to the king and like the prophet that's saying that old prophecy that's not working out for us, here's a new better way. Jesus was such a man. You know what I mean? If we really follow Jesus, and it was love your neighbor, and how many times does the word love appear in the sayings of Jesus in the Bible instead of the more vengeful Old Testament God, the world would be a better place, and yet he's getting edged out by the repetition of, they're not like us, so we don't like them. Um, that let's find a reason to hate people, you know, instead of find all the ways in which we are alike, in which we should right. cooperate and share the world. Yeah. So it's it. it I still revel in those kind of speculative fictions because it really is, wow, so this, these books have been around for 50 years. Did the world get infected by them and become that? No. Parts of what he was saying, some packets of information snuck out, and there really are still goods and bads based on oh, uh, how much is the world like Dune? How much is the world like Foundation? The fact that we're having these big series come out now that were for a long time considered like unfilmable, awesome. that they actually now have not only the special effects, but we as a society are able to talk about what would future history be like when, when, when we talk about, and the mule is able to violate that by being a mind controller. And we've had any number of demagogues over the course of history. It's like, how did they get away with it? How did, right. name, name the crazy that caught on, because there is always a little bit of that 10% nowadays we worry about, whether it's 40%, that's willing to follow crazy because they get some benefit out. They get some in some cases, terrible pleasure, animalistic pleasure out of, I, you know, I watched a Purge movie a while back. Oh, really? I never intended to watch them, (laughs) but I was just, I, there's a great quote along the lines of, one sign of being intelligent is that you get to have two opposite ideas in your head and know that neither one of them has to win, or just being able to have an idea in your head that you don't adopt. It's like mimetic inoculation is, I really want to see what other people are getting exposed to and in my mind, it's immediately that wouldn't work, and that's ridiculous, and that's terrible. And yet, if I, I can't if I can't speak to it, then I, I right. don't want to be the hypocrite that right, says right. that's bad, never having seen the movie. You know right. what I mean? How many people are protesting Absolutely. the latest yep. movie without it? So it was um, ridiculous, and yet I can see how, for a certain segment of the population, what incredible wish fulfillment is it? Yeah, you want know, the guy that's got no power in his everyday life for one night of the week, he's got a gun. He's a big He's crazy. He gets to be fully full-on crazy that he usually has to hide 
And that's such an incredible desire for people that are otherwise. That's why old. Grand Theft Auto is such a big game. <laughs> so much. You know what I mean? I get to take all the shackles of society off and go around killing and hooking and stealing right. and then, you know, and then killing the hooker. And you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what, and that's what made the movie Free Guy so funny. I, I, I guess that's true. So many people understand that thing. Of, it would be carnage if that was the world. And yet it's so, I don't know. I often think of that. Ultraviolence is not necessarily people are going to turn ultraviolent. It really is a safety valve. It, it's, it's a really, release. For say, some okay, people. I got to see what it would be like to really run somebody over a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Carmageddon did that 25 years ago. Carmageddon, Death Race 2000. Yes. Exactly. I, the last cool thing I got was the Alan Wake remaster game, which Alan Wake is one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of the inspirations, actually, that kicked me into wanting to write. And cool. it doesn't, on the Xbox One, it does not look that much different. I think it really high-res upgrades if you have an Xbox X, which... Who knows where you'll get one of those. But that was your, I was like, cool. I've been wanting to play it again. It's a great game. Got, yeah, yeah. got the achievements. You know, I'm sitting there, achievements are popping up. She's like, oh, you're getting a lot of those. I'm like, yeah, I know where they all are now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Replaying a game that you had already played many hours of is sometimes, I wish I had the surprise instead of yeah. the efficiency of going after things, stuff like that. But, the, you know, that, and that's some of the playability of games is, well, I did. I only got 59% of the collectibles. Let me go through it again and get another 20% of collectibles. Harder to find areas I didn't explore. You yeah, know? yeah. That's, I liked it. Whenever they add a new uh, scenario to Diablo, it's a whole other area to explore and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I, okay, I already know how most of the weapons and everything work, but it's cool to have, be surprised in these ways. New monsters and new territories. And, oh, right. I can get stuck in the mire or whatever else it might be. So, so what do you think of Hawkeye? <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. Oh! No, I have been following it diligently, but I'm one behind on Titans, Hawkeye, a whole bunch of things that are oh, like the wow. next episode. So I'm sorry that I can't talk about okay, it. Okay, we'll I, do it next week because Boba uh, Fett starts tomorrow. Okay, very good. So. Actually, can we, uh, I have to mention one other thing because we're being all philosophical. Another thing that I got a couple books oh, sorry. Yeah. by a guy named John Brockman, and he's He's not associated with Ted, but I think of him in that same interesting frame of mind in terms of he asks a big question like every year and makes it into a book. And he goes to the, like Time Magazine has the 100 influencers of the world, and there's tech people and art people and government people, whatever. And he's like, so one of the questions is, what big thought changed everything in your life? And he'll get all the reflections from all those people. So about there's a game I played, and it really just had me understand game theory. Here's a book I read. Here's an, just a, a thought. And he has one called, What Have You Changed Your Mind About? If you're in a field where there's a, an established canon of information, and then a thunderbolt came in, how did you, how did you feel about changing your mind? What was it that did that? How did you convince yourself that something you thought was established, deep fact, and yet it's new now? So like the dinosaur bird thing, or the, you know what I mean? And, and, and the books are fascinating because, and maybe that's why I think it's like Ted, you get some of the brightest people on the planet that apparently he knows them all. He's the guy that has all these interesting connections and affiliations and stuff, and they're all willing to have these speculative little essays with him. It's just immersing yourself every year into the best thought going on. And there's nothing what else I have over here, but they're, they're um, like, what's the scariest thought? What's the thing in the world right now that you're the most worried about? And it, just that. Some people are like, 
I love crypto. And so people are like, crypto is the most dangerous. So when you see people who really know a lot about a lot, and yet they're at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of nanotechnology, are we all, are we going to have wonderful medical advances or are we all going to turn to gray goo because it gets out of hand? And you know what I mean? I yeah. just, I, every time I read one, and, and it's another one of those things that I had like fallen off. I got three new ones because I hadn't gotten them. I used to be every year. It was like, okay, that's my January read is whatever came up. I can't recommend them highly enough. They're fantastic. And they really will expose you to the, the world and how the world has shifted in the course of my lifetime. You know what I mean? Like here's what the big thinkers were thinking back in the 2000s. But now, my God, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. And like new millennium, the whole world is changing. We haven't handled global warming really well, have we? <laughs> We've had it's 20 80. years to work on that. 20 years. Yeah. Oh, and you also got me another book by Mihai Chiksent Mihai, which I think I might have talked about before. He's the guy yeah. that does flow. And besides my parents, he's probably the one that most wrote about, oh my God, this really explains me that how I am at my most productive, my most um, pleasure, uh, the pleasure that I get out of what I do for a living, falling into code, listening to music, playing a game where you just lose track of time and you're the master of your surroundings and your resources. And it's because of you're able to immerse yourself in it and not drown in it, but really just be really connected and really, you don't even know where your ideas are coming from, but it's really how your mind works. He actually got me, he has half a dozen books and I was missing one and she found it for me. So now I have, I think his last work because he just recently passed away. He passed away six so I, I got things to play with. I got things to read, nice. to listen to. She, she was you can't go anywhere you got stuff to do and that's right and i got clothes to wear inside the house and so that she got me lots of wonderful stuff and i tried to get her equal stuff yeah. so i got some beautiful books like i got her the latest adele and i got her we had been watching the beatles um get back series so i got her two beatles compilations so that she'll have we i have many of the beatles albums but i wanted to get her those highlights so when she doesn't know what else she wants to read you can't go wrong read listen to it can't go wrong with the beat, that kind of stuff. And got her some beautiful clothes. I'm always, she has lots of nice clothes, but I've been able to like sneak in on her because she might have for a long time dressed business conservative. She really looks beautiful in business clothes, but I'm the one that will put some color in for her. I got her like some animal print, one snakeskin, one cheetah, or something like that. And she liked one enough to wear it to Christmas so, or to the night before Christmas. So just that, it, it um, we really had a ton of stuff, like ridiculous. And yet it's because we share each other's lives and we know That's there's right. little hints dropped or there's little, like where you don't even realize that she was listening when you said it. And she, I especially try to surprise her in that way. Something that she mentioned last February was like, and, uh, uh, I got her a cute little book by Sandra Boynton called Merry Christmas, Little Pookie. I didn't know that anybody else really called anybody Pookie except for those hedgehogs in those German cartoons. <laughs> and, yes, and yet, I found her something that says poop. No, so. <laughs> well, I got Gina. Um, we're, as long as everything doesn't get locked down, but in March, Josh Gates is going to be at the Akron Civic. So we got tickets to go see him. He's wow. one of her favorites. Okay. Uh, and I nailed it on jewelry this year. I got her some little pearl earrings with cat ears on it. So it looks like a little kitty. Very and cool. other earrings with dried flowers in them. Or real yeah, dead dried yeah. flowers. So she was super excited about those. Very so, cool. Got that. In fact, I'll, I'll chime in. I also, I had found a very cool Irish jewelry place and nothing like uh, emeralds and real um, super expensive, but beautifully done combinations of stones and woods and metals that are like more 
um, earthy, almost like hippie, almost Renaissance fair type stuff. And I didn't find her just one. I got her a half dozen because they were, I just was like, wow, this is really nice. And so this is like for going out and this is for going to a game. And I don't even know that I chose correctly in that way, but I got her a nice variety. And again, she wore one of those the very first time she got a chance. So nice. the, the symbols, the tree of life or the little the little turquoise set just right. Um, same thing. I, I got her without breaking the bank, a whole bunch of beautiful adornment for my beautiful. So nice. I'm sure that Gina nice. appreciates your, the ones and I hope that Colleen will appreciate. That's cool. I did get something else. It wasn't a Christmas present though. Uh, slight story to go with it. It's a coincidental, but not associated directly. So I told you, uh, Windows computer weird issue I'm having that when I click on my Google Drive, the OneDrive folder will pop up. And I used to have OneDrive personal switch to Google, but I still have OneDrive with work. And when I click on it, it pops up and overlays my Google folder every single time i'm like some kind of alias yeah what what is going on with that i think it's windows trying to redirect you to buy one drive it's own one drive exactly that's got me a little but the weird thing was i had if you remember uh mint linux on my laptop yeah i was having some trouble getting a few things working installed and i read that fedora which is an older version of linux that i've used before was really focused for developers. So I'm like, okay, let me throw that on there and, and see. And I was playing with that, getting everything set up so I could do Unity, I could do Twine, I could do Cordova, all these developments. Fantastic. And I went to log in and it wouldn't let me log in. And I'm like, what the heck? Then I type in my password. I'm like, okay, maybe it was this other password. You know, I tried a couple different passwords okay. right. and it's, it would flash all the passwords that I've written. I've typed in on the screen and then go back to the screen. I'm like, oh, that's not good. That does not look right. Yeah. And that's so weird because I don't know of a virus or or malware or anything for Linux that would do that. Right. That does keyboard capture that does, oh my. So I I wiped it and reinstalled it. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm just having all sorts of computer issues lately. But I went and got one of these. Are you ready? Okay. Oh my, the Mac Mini. Yes, it's an old one. Uh, okay. but, but there's a reason. I'm, it's not my everyday machine. And I'm not okay. one to say, oh, you should use PCs or oh, you should use Mac. PCs work for me. They have everything I need. I've always worked on them. But to do manuscript publishing to the Apple Store or to do iPad and phone games to the Apple Store, you have to go through a Mac. So. Okay. I could do all my development for games or writing on my PC, but I have to route it. To it's last leg. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to put vellum on this. I'm going to put all my credentials on it for the store and the yeah. keys and set all that up. It's like the oldest, slowest Mac I could get that runs the modern OS. <laughs> so, like used, it's got to be 200 bucks. It was, it was like 160 bucks. Well, it just, I, other world computing has all kinds of, refurbished and there's multiple variations of the mac mini i think i mentioned if i haven't before i can't believe i haven't i've used mac minis for 10 years now yeah it is such a perfect price point for what you get the it's so powerful it doesn't involve you always getting new peripherals i've got very much the monitors i want keyboard mouse all my hard drives as long as it's got the ports that you need you can 
plug it right in or have one small adapter that doesn't seem to be too expensive or too like it's the impediment that it slows things down if you're trying to go with the throughput for usb or something right. like that that i i have an m1 mac you know that was my big celebration from last year about this time it was the first m1s coming out and it for the first month they were doing okay it's not perfect so we're fixing it and it has been running without fail like a dream perfect for you know nice. 11 months out of 12 and as fast as anything i've ever owned as good a graphics as anything i've ever it's it's just this little workhorse and as you saw it's the size of a cigar box. Yeah. It's just amazing. The miracle they work in this in this machine. The, the thing I want to try and do is with my Raspberry Pi and this, I want to get them mounted somewhere out of the way because I'm not going to use them a lot and then oh, route right. it into the same monitor so I can switch yeah. when I need to without exactly. going elsewhere and without setting something up everywhere. And, and all of them use USB keyboards and mouse. So I could just switch between whatever I need. So exactly. That's and they're all sensing ESP sensing nowadays so that it isn't, I plug it in and I have to reboot or I have right. to tell it, hey, there's a new mouse there. They all, the devices talk to each other nowadays. Right. And so I have, I do that regularly with whenever I plug different things into my laptop, depending on what presentation I'm doing, I carry a whole bunch of my own adapters to make sure. But most things are, if you've got any kind of HDMI or USB, or even like an old VGA, I have an adapter for that. I so much don't have to be, okay, Restart this, but have this off when you do it because it really has to do it. In the yes. Case. Nowadays, that whole live handshaking is really so much better. Than how I, my early career was the wizard that got people's presentations to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you I don't have to do it so much. I love that. <laughs> so with the computer stuff, I was at Micro Center the other day. If you want a Raspberry Pi, forget about it. They had nothing in the store. Like, it, oh totally my. nothing. Okay. Um, but what I was really looking at was the 3D printers. We've talked about that. Now, they had the Prealty Ender. They have a lot of those. It seems to be the right price point and performance for what I'm looking for. But the version one, they're gone, sold out. They have a version two. And then they have a few other one upgrades and a, a pro, you know, whatever. Okay. But what I found was I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to get to the point where it's, I was willing to spend $250. But here's this $320 one. That's only little, 70 more for yeah. so many more capabilities. Right. Exactly. So okay. I'm at, still looking at a Creelty Ender, but this the one that's in the $320 price range has an enclosure and it's a little bigger. Okay. So we, we have dogs, we live in the country. You get dust, you get hair, and right. these things run for 72 hours. So I'm like, that might be a worthwhile investment. And the sound, if we're watching something, because I'm probably going to have the 3D printer in the living room because it's I can put it on the piano. That's like the most solid base I have so it doesn't jiggle okay. around. Yes. So yes. I don't want it making noise for a whole weekend if we're watching TV or playing a game or whatever. So cool. I was actually, I'm not sure about this. They use the various different rosin wires to form their things. And if I'm sensitive to those scents for some reason, uh, whatever uh, come off of those. And so maybe for my days of doing thing maker stuff, remember way back to Mattel? Yeah. So I want it to not be in the same room with me. And I was actually thinking putting it in my garage. Yeah. And it might be that that's weird because the garage is not insulated. So it definitely will change temperature over the course of the year. And in winter, I'm not sure that being in a 40 degree garage is the best way for the operation. They usually have a band of correct operation. Yeah. But my Wi-Fi reaches out to there and I really could. So I'm, I'm still working on what would be the best place for mine. I'm looking at Prusa. 
they're uh, they might be a little bit more expensive they're probably in that 800 to a thousand range but they've got um the ability to work with multiple colors they they have granularity if you will the kinds of things you can do i'm in my mind what i'm really going to use it for if it's making puzzles, old puzzles like that i've mentioned that are actually like they got broken or i don't want to replace a certain piece or there's all kinds of cool now CAD cam drawings there are certain kinds of files that everybody does for how to run these 3d printers and there's lots of cool stuff that's fallen into the public domain that i really would like to have my own version of it i don't know i so i think when i start i'm not only going to get a starter one i'm actually going to get one that is the one that is the least amount of um overhead and hassle there's some actually like when you buy it you have to build it and as i can save myself 300 bucks but then i'm Hope I get it right. Hope I run the soldering iron correctly. Whatever else it might be. So I'm, my I don't know. My my price point might be weirder because I have. Yeah, I just want to make little figures and stuff. And yeah, what, now, yeah. what type of uh, material does that use? Because there's two main types. There's the the resin, and then there's the other. I forget, but I know the one actually takes more work. Cure it and things like. That. I think mine is still the resin. It's okay. got like pools of little plastic wire. Yeah. I think that's that they come in probably not quite Pantone, but like 48 different Pretty colors. Close, so you have yeah. quite the array that you can do. And uh, so many of any other printer nowadays, so the printer doesn't cost as much as the consumable supplies. Right. And so I was trying to look at, well, I really want to have not 48, but a dozen different colors. How much do I have to invest in that set of reels? And if every one of those is another $100, I've doubled the cost of my Yeah, that, you know what I that's mean? The other <laughs> issue is some of these bigger printers get more expensive in the material i was looking yeah, around doesn't and, do sintering it doesn't do like metal it doesn't do right. you know any simulated right. wood it still looks plasticky if you will but, right uh, okay. and that's the cruelties for a spool they're like 20 bucks and uh, you can get a dozen two dozen figures depending on out of it and i'm like that's super because because i was looking around online and people that have them they're like i printed all of this out with one spool and it cost me like 40 cents a figure. That so seems reasonable. Yeah. That's yeah. not bad at all. Considering you know, they're five, $7 in the store. What's funny is I've been looking, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time, honestly, like five years now. And much when, before we went to digital camera, that used to be that, and maybe computers as well, no matter what camera you bought, three months later, something better came out for less. <laughs> and it made like, it's, there's a certain amount of consumer reports analysis paralysis that happens. <laughs> if I just keep waiting, I'm going to get more for less. But then you've lost three and six and 12 months worth of capability of having yes. that darn thing. So I have to pull the trigger eventually. Right. I've done so much research and continually said, oh, new contender, new brand, a new addition of an existing brand. And how many times it was like, ah, I'm going to wait a little while longer. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm frozen about it. But maybe that'll be a journey that you and I will start on at about the same time. That would be cool. I'm, comparisons, you know, the, yeah. the tales of. Okay. Before we go, did you ever, back in the day, play the Hero Quest game, board game? I did not. No. Do you know what it is? It, it is like Champions, where it's comic book characters. The old, it's seventies. A uh, Hero okay. Quest. It's D and D as a board. The coolest parts about it were that you built the dungeon as you went. So if you were in this room until you open the door, you can't see what's in the next room. To move like in. really exploring as if you were exactly. A exactly. And okay. The, the, the booklets, they have campaigns and scenarios. So the dungeon master can see the whole layout. So he knows what items to put in each room as you go. 
So, it, cool. and you progress, your hero can get better abilities and things. What really made it cool was all the pieces because they actually had 3D pieces that you put in the rooms of rats and doors and cauldrons and books and then all the monsters. Yeah. So it was a modular mapping and all the different things yeah. that you would see. That's very, okay. It's a I great, don't know why I didn't play this. Okay, great yeah. board game, a super collectible now because nobody has all the parts. I mean, okay. they sell, if you have one with all the parts, it'll go for four or 500 on eBay. And wow. that's not yeah. pristine. Because um, they were well played. They yes. got kind of beat up if it was two in the morning and somebody stomped the rat because they were angry or whatever. Or, yeah. Oh, it's a kid's game. Nobody right. took care of it as they moved around. So now here's my dilemma. We have one and it's missing a few parts, not the scenarios, not the characters, but some of the plastic pieces. Okay. And I know there are places out there I could get 3D files and just print those ones off, which would be an incentive to have the printer. Right. But they just re-released the game with slightly updated graphics and some rule uh, fixes that fixed so a few things. Intellectual property contention. Yes. And, uh, you, don't um, want to, you don't want to take money out of their pocket. Exactly. Yeah. But it's they want... Own use, is that still okay? It's exactly. Not it. They, yeah, they want not 125 bucks for the game. And I'm like, but I have three quarters of the game. <laughs> I only right. need these couple pieces. But... Then you'd have a whole brand new board game, which is all shiny. And <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, as you, there's been a pendulum swinging back and forth as to the right to repair and even the right to customize. And it was computers and board yeah. games and stuff like that. So it really might be that not without, you don't have to have any guilt about making your old game work again. I really think that if you just, if yeah. you were to like take a piece of wood and whittle a new rat, it wouldn't be that they would violate any of their... Yeah, it, but still, I think it, why I question so much is just because, man, I'd really love to have the new version. That the looks, new version. You know, that's what, but it's $125. Yeah. I don't, you know, is it worth buying the whole new version? Yeah, probably. Because like we got Betrayal on House on the Hill, which has a lot of parts and stuff, and okay. we love playing it with the family. It's something we can all... Yeah. This is like that. It's a continued building game that changes. Exactly. And then, depending on how much, gameplay you get out of it and how many people participate 125 seems smaller because it's spread out over multiple right. players multiple times that i i often think of that that wow there's something that i'm going to buy up front but i'm going to get 100 uses out of it that's really only a buck a shot that's not much at all <laughs> but i probably if i really wanted i probably could sell what i do have on ebay for 50 bucks and then that and makes the game the cost of the new game. Yes, exactly. with everything. <laughs> so, well, we'll see. The dilemmas we gamers have. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so I know that Steve Yates has done all kinds of like where he let's see exploring the national parks. He made with his 3D printer like little stands that made it so that whatever was about the game that was a little flimsier, a little poorly thought out, he made them better. And so then you, when you play with them, you should admit this to game central whoever owns this thing and say i got an idea that, that i experimented with on my own and hopefully they will be embracing of it instead of call the lawyers yeah you know that kind of thing i so. know a lot of people make like card holders that are upright so you can easily slide off the next card or, or just holders and things some of the pieces like you said that are flimsy or fall over you make yeah. a better base for it it's just in the, yeah i see a lot of improvements on which is exactly cool. I know I've seen, you know, instead of everything being in baggies, I've seen people where they actually built a little compartmentalized box that all that stuff goes into so that you put it away and it doesn't get damaged. And you can tell, am I missing any pieces? Because no, there's six here and there's three here. And that's exactly how many things. So people are, they do a lot of stuff to be like, 
I love this game and I want to play it forever, but you have to do a little bit of preventative maintenance, if you will, yeah. to make sure things don't go missing. You know right. what I mean? Well, control. for the elf game that I do, you're trying to build and deliver presents. And we have cards that, that represent the presents, but I'm like, why don't we just print off 50 little present pieces and you collect the presents? Exactly. You know, that That's would cool. probably, kids would like that a lot better, I'm sure. <laughs> Always be cobbling. Did you ever see that skit with uh, Alec Baldwin out at the North Pole? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Okay. Always a pleasure. Happy days after Christmas. Yes. Have I'm, a good I'm, New Year. Exactly that. Good New Year. We're we're gonna be nice and quiet. We're gonna we're gonna pull up the kettle corn and watch. Uh, let's see what's what what's our latest. We got some John Sales movies coming in. I think nice. I last time, but we'll see what. Well, we're gonna hide. We're gonna get Colleen better. Yes, um, get, try, don't get feel it. better, take care. <laughs> Real quick, uh, just as something to think about, my cousin just got an Oculus Quest, one for him and one for his wife, and they're pushing us uh, to get one. And I found out if you get the Quest 2, you can play the Quest games from the store, but also hook it up to your computer and play all the Steam games and all that. Boy. So, Alan, think about it. If there were four or five of us that had these, we could play Star Trek Bridge Crew. <laughs> hey, even like latency from far away places would be okay with yeah, see that's well be it's cool. it's like a lot of these games they don't send graphics they just send the info so all the graphics are on your side so it's just sending okay. little bits of info you're right it's the changes not the entire file each time if you will yeah exactly. so we well, i think i mentioned i've gotten a whole bunch of um invitations again and again from emily from judy from people that already have them and they really love them and they'd love to have me Join their merry band as well. So another one of those things. I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, and I get to have this whole exactly world, and I can speak not authoritatively, but then when I talk about what I like and don't like, it's not just well I've read. It's because I've worn the thing, and yes, it gets heavy <laughs> on your head, or it doesn't. Thing with it, do you know how many board and card games they're putting on these Oculus VR game? They've got I, I, Catan. You can play Catan with people in remote cities, and and have them sitting. Wow at the table with you and and as i mentioned before i have the old google cardboard i really have some experience with this but it's nowhere near oh, that's yeah. the VR has advanced leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds that, that's, over the last 20 years as well there's really cool stuff that's kind of like those old stereoscopic where you put the postcard in glasses and look at the postcard compared to the <laughs> movies that they made that's right that's right so all so, right man all gotta right. go take care Steve. talk Bye -bye. to you later Bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.